Live from Crestview Studios, Florida, it's the Dave and Duke Collin Show. And now here's your co-host, Speak Free Radio owner David Gahari and the incomparable Dr. David Duke. Limber up your dialing fingers. Okay, folks, I hope I'm coming through loud and clear. I should always check to make sure if I am. Let me just do, yep, okay. Well, I guess. It looks good, I think. Anyway, this is Dave Gahari, and you're listening to the Dave and Duke Call-In Show on speakfreeradio.com. And it is already January 21. I uh, I don't get it. A year from now, thank you, Elizabeth. A year from now, there will be a probably right a new president in the White House. It kind of looks like it's going to be Trump. I think DeSantis dropped out today. And that uh, Ramaswamalami guy dropped out, I guess, last week or this past week. I don't know. I don't pay attention to it. And uh, that um, that slob who was the governor of New Jersey, uh, he dropped out. And I think uh, who's left? Well, that Nikki Haley creature? Um She'll be going soon. I mean, he's just so dominant, Trump, right now. So, And I guess for good reason. There's a lot of folks who don't like him because he did not do what he said he was going to do when he was in his first term. You know, there's a book. I remember I got it in college. Um, it was called The Impossible Presidency. And I guess it is kind of a tough job to do as far as like getting stuff done. Uh, because the way that it was designed by our founding fathers was, uh, to ensure that we didn't have a king, uh, in that office. So it is, it is tough for a president to do a bunch of stuff. That's why we've seen such an explosion in executive orders. Okay, Nick, got your message. Because it is it is very difficult to get legislative, bipartisan legislative approval for whatever the president might want to do. And nowadays it's so polarized that I guess presidents, if they want to make their mark, They've got to use the executive order, which is not good, really. This piece of shit uh, who's in there now, that old uh, Jew tool, Biden, I don't even like to say its name, that piece of shit has really uh, destroyed the country um, incredibly bad, badly. So let's see what happens. But uh, heck, it's already uh, six minutes after six central time. And as I said, 
Uh, this is the Dave and Duke Call-In Show on SpeakFreeRadio.com. And you just go to SpeakFreeRadio.com and click on that button at the top, that black triangle that is facing to the right, and you could listen to the show. If you want to listen to the older shows, uh, you just click on the Podcasts tab, and you can find this show or any of the other shows there in that podcast tab. If you want to come into the studio to ask Dr. Duke a question or a comment, just click on call and chat and click on the icon for the Dave and Duke call and show and you will be brought into the waiting room where we will bring you in uh, to talk to the good doctor who's not here yet. Uh, I don't see him in the in the waiting room. And here's a comment from Nick. He's calling Trump 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 is a POS and that's capped a traitor and coward. He loves the enemies of Christ the King. Of course, if you run for POTUS, they have to be for quote the Jew close quote. <clears throat> that is true. The road to the U.S. presidency, incredibly, goes through Israel or Tel Aviv. So, how far we've fallen. So, it's really, it doesn't cost a lot to buy a Congress critter. I think it was calculated at about $100,000. So, you could see these sums that they throw around. Uh, even that big Jew, uh, Sheldon Adelson, who recently passed, that big casino Jew, Adelson, gave Trump like, uh, I think it was something like 30, 30 million bucks, which is nothing to these people. Um, the billions are nothing to them. I got a great email from Proton Mail which talked about how big tech paid for their fines, their uh, regulatory fines. Uh, I think it was something like in the first three days or seven days and three hours of the new year. They paid over, I think it was something like $3 billion in fines. So it took them like a week or less than a week to pay those fines. So this is how much money these these uh, big tech companies are making. And that's why you're not seeing any uh, regulatory reform. That's why nothing's changing. Because they have the money. And money talks and bullshit walks, as they say. This is the problem. So, here we are in 2024, and you've got millions of illegals streaming across the border. You've got elementary school children being taught about the most vile sex. You've got 
current Congress critters who are in there, I'm not going to use the word serving, who are in there, in that position, who have openly lied, who have been caught in lies, who have openly prostituted themselves to a foreign nation and to an alien race, who call this country a democracy when that word was not uttered in the founding documents. In fact, they were they were very much averse to that word, to that concept, for the right reasons. So, uh, you know, there's like I said, there's people who are saying Trump's no good because he didn't do anything and he's owned by the Jew and we need someone else. <laughs> yeah. Well, let us know who that someone else is then. Because, or let us know who's better, who you would rather have in there. And if you say, well, no one, or I'm not going to vote, that's fine too. But if there had to be somebody in that office, which there does have to be somebody, who's it going to be? Nikki Haley? Or Donald Trump. I pretty I don't know. I think everybody else has dropped out. Okay, Donald Trump or Joke Biden. You want Joke Biden in there? Is there anybody else? I mean Gavin Newsom? Nope. Yeah, it ain't good. Let's see where our boy is. Let's see where he is. All right. Yes, so there you go. So uh, that Nikki Haley might not be eligible to be the president, but did that ever stop them? Uh, you know, did did laws ever stop them? No. Nikki Haley, born Nimarata Niki Randawa. Nimarata Niki Randawa. I don't know how Haley came in there, but... Uh, she was born actually yesterday, in 1972. So uh, how old is she then? She's uh, 51. Nimarata Niki Randawa. She was born in South Carolina to immigrant Sikh parents. I think those are the Indians with, uh, you know, the swords and the beards and you know, those big turbans, and I, I, I don't know uh, what else, but uh, anyway, she's she's a, a Zogbot. She's completely owned by the Jew. We know that. 
So let's see. Did did she drop out yet? Oh God, it's, it's so it's so hard to even look at these people. My God, it really is. And there she is with the Israeli Defense Minister Avigdor Lieberman, that scumbag, in 2017. Yeah, kiss up to those Jews, you creature, you you traitor. Ugh, nasty. Just nasty. Yeah. Yeah, so let's see. Uh, So that creature finished in third place in the Iowa caucuses with 19% of the vote. That much, huh? Trump got 51%. DeSantis, 21%. Haley... Prevailed over Trump by one vote in Johnson County. Okay. So Tim Scott, two days ago, endorsed Trump. Broad comment in the press on Scott's decision to endorse Trump rather than Haley, who had appointed Scott to the United States Senate. So Haley appointed Scott to the U.S. Senate. Okay, so let's take a look. How did she get the name Haley? Oh, okay. So she's married to this guy, Michael Haley. All right, let's see what's up with him. Seems kind of normal. Army guy. Anyway, that's his name. That's not her name. So, there you go. And so much for her. So, we're waiting for Dave. Uh, I'm going to call him. Let me see what he's doing. Okay, I guess he's uh, coming along. So we'll get him in here. Haley is like the Jew. They change their names. Yes, they do. Right. So wait a second. If she was, she was born in America, so what's the requirement to uh, be the president? Let's see. Let's see what the requirement is. All right. Anybody know? I should know this. All right. Okay, so here it is. Article 2, Section 1, Clause 5 of the U.S. Constitution. Three qualifications for holding the presidency. 
To serve as president, one must, one, be a natural-born citizen of the United States, be at least 35 years old, be a resident of the United States for at least 14 years. So let's see, natural-born citizen of the United States. Okay, the U.S. Constitution uses but does not define the phrase natural-born citizen, and various opinions have been offered over time regarding its exact meaning. The consensus of early 21st century constitutional legal scholars, together with relevant case law, is that natural-born citizens include, subject to exemptions, those born in the United States. As to those born elsewhere who meet the legal requirements for birthright citizenship, the consensus emerging as of 2016 was that they also are natural-born citizens. The first nine presidents and the twelfth president, Zachary Taylor, were all citizens at the adoption of the Constitution in 1789, with all being born within the territory held by the United States and recognized in the Treaty of Paris. All presidents who have served since were born in the United States. Of the 45 individuals who became president, there have been eight that had at least one parent who was not born on U.S. soil. So there you go. So let's, Dave's here, so let's give the the uh, typical or usual um, <clears throat> challenge, which is, if anyone out there could let us know of a greater existential threat to humanity and free speech other than organized international jury let us know and we'll quit right on the spot we're just going to quit i'm just going to turn off the show leave the studio turn the microphone off and just go back to work also if someone can let us know a more effective deliverer of that message of this dangerous alien creature other than dr david duke let us know and we'll quit so you got two ways to get us off the air. So please, anybody, it would be great if it was a Jew, just call in and let us know what that greater threat is other than OIJ, Organized International Jewry. Okay. All right. Let's bring in Dave. Dave, how are you, my friend? Fine, I was just looking at a newspaper headline, considering the fact that we may be on the edge of war right now, maybe in World War III. And I was just looking at a hedge of uh, a uh, news headline from Great Britain, the Daily Express. And this was, uh, this was March of 1933. And the headline reads, Judea declares war on Germany. Jews yeah. of all the world unite 
in action, boycott of German goods, mass demonstrations in many districts, dramatic action. And it, uh, and it just shows how those powerless poor Jews all over the world were, were trying to get a war going against Germany. And the reason why I was looking at this is because I saw a great video. I talked about it on my program during the week on the Rinse Radio Network. And and I talked about the fact that Chris Hedges had a really great speech on why war is is the problem. It's evil when you have a big, giant war. It, just about every war kills far more people than the reasons why the people went to war in the first place. Far more human beings suffer uh, exponentially more, uh, a far greater magnitude. And and that's especially true, of course, in the last 150 years of wars, 120, 150 years, because what I did this week was go over on my radio program a lot of the history. I also did a special show with Mark Dankoff, who was a real good international speaker. And we talked about... Mark great talked guy, about, Mark. Yeah, he's a great guy. We need to get him on sometime. Get him on. But anyway, he uh, and I talked about the fact that I went over the history of, first of all, the first real war of the 20th century. Is, actually, I'll give you the, the free war. Uh, the biggest war right before the 20th century was, of course, the, um, the famous opium wars. And that was the opium war. <laughs> And this is hard to believe when you start to think about it today, you know, and it shows you how evil these these uh, Jewish internationalists are, right? The uh, Sassans had corrupted the crown and had corrupted the British government and because they ran this huge opium. The Sassans, there was another Jewish uh, family, too, out of uh, the, uh, let's see, what, where was that, in China? Anyway, they were two different families that had these, uh, the whole opium racket there. So they were getting millions of Chinese, almost all the middle class, you might say, you know, hooked on opium, which is a great business model, right? You get somebody hooked on a drug they got to have, and then you can charge whatever you want to them. You got them hooked for life until they die. That's a pretty good business model. And they had actually a war because the Chinese didn't like it and tried to stop it. So Britain went to war against China. You can't make these things up, right, to protect the opium racket because the Sassoons had corrupted the, the British government with their money and bribes. And, uh, and a lot of people died. And, but anyway, that was the opium wars. That was a few decade, couple decades before. And then, of course, at the end of the decade, they started the wars against South Africa and the Boers of South Africa because of the Jews, the Oppenheimers, actually, and the Rothschilds had a lot of German and, I mean, a lot of investment that they wanted to make. And uh, they wanted to take over the, the actually the gold mines and the diamond mines and all that. So they decided to go to war against, you know, Boer, the Boer country of South Africa. And they were the first ones to put the concentration camps in. I mean, modern time concentration camps. In fact, they infamously fed Boer men, women, and children held in these concentration camps. They fed them ground glass, which is ground so that when you'd eat this stuff, kind of gritty, but it ends up cutting up your insides and makes you die just a terrible death, men, women, and kids. 
and they killed many tens of thousands of the Boers that way. And uh, and then, of course, in the, in the, and that extended into the Second Boer War and so forth into the first part of the 20th century. Next war that the uh, the big Jewish capitalists did was, of course, the the Russo-Japanese War. They they even Jacob Schiff, who was the big capitalist Jew that also was the biggest single contributor to the Communist Party, he also did a lot of writings how they were keeping Russia out of the money markets because Russia needed money. They're a poor country, and uh, because they wanted Russia to lose the war with Japan. Now, now, why would anybody in America or anybody in Europe want Russians, fellow Christians, lose a war against Japan and another country? Well, it was because Jews wanted to make a communist revolution in Russia. And Jews globally were working toward a communist revolution. And sure enough, Russia uh, lost the war. One of the reasons was the money problems. And then they went to work on getting a Second World War going because they wanted to get a, a, a war between, well, they wanted between Germany and Russia because they didn't know if Germany could beat Britain, of course, or France, but certainly they felt Germany with the incredible uh, capacity they have for weapons and their military expertise and history and population and everything. They knew that Russia would be beaten by Germany. Therefore, the czar would be humiliated and Russians would be angry at the czar for losing the war. And the communists at the same time in Russia were very interesting because you would think that if Russian communist Jews were trying to take over the country, they would try to say, oh, we're patriotic, you know, we're going to fight the war and we're going to help Russia win the war against the, the, the enemy of Russia for generations since Napoleon and so forth. And we're going to go fight this war. But no, 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 they didn't. They said, we can't fight the war because this is a capitalist war or whatever. Well, actually, it was the Jews and Jewish capitalists that caused the war. But they, they didn't fight the war. And uh, and because they didn't want to fight the war, they didn't want to help the war effort because they wanted Russia to lose so they could, you know, humiliate the czar and take over Russia and kill tens of millions of Russian citizens. So that, that's just the beginning of the wars of the century. Dave, we got two minutes. And then you got the Balfour Declaration. Okay, let's go forward. All right. But okay. We're in a time of war and we're in a time of Jewish wars. And the Second World War killed but somewhere between 55 according to most historians, and 80 million. There's different, uh, you know, renditions of that. There was a war. The war began on, under it was Poland when Poland and Germany fought because the, the, the Germans didn't want their citizens to live under a foreign government and be persecuted by people that hated them because of the Versailles Treaty. And by the way, the reason why the Versailles Treaty was so hard on the Germans was because Jewish control of the United States and Jewish control and influence and in uh, England and France, they wanted to argue that Germany should pay for the war, even though it wasn't Germany's, Germany's fault for the First World War. It was really entangling alliances. But because they wanted Germany to have Great Depression, because you know what? You know, I think maybe you know this. Maybe Dave, we got we got to get to the call. It's almost six thirty. I know. Maybe our listeners don't know this, but here's the situation: the big one of the biggest parties in Russia was the Communist Party, and guess what? It was run by a Jew. No. Yeah. All right. Let's get to the first call, Dave. So they wanted they wanted a communist revolution. And they knew if Germany was poor, 
they would get more desperate. That would fuel possibly a communist takeover. That's anti-Semitic. That's an anti-Semitic scenario. You know, confounded that that air in the hatred of the. Yeah. Uh, You're a Jew hater. Okay, we're going to bring in a, 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 no, a, a Jew, first caller. I, I just love them to leave us a f alone. There you go, baby. And go. Hey, hi, hi. Hey, we got we got a new hey, how, a new caller. What, okay. Michael? Right, Michael. Yes, my name is Michael. I go Michael, by where, where, where are you calling from, Michael? Uh, I believe Castle Rock, Jefferson State, Planet Earth. Castle Rock, Jefferson <laughs> State, Planet Earth. I could be more okay. precise if you like. Would you like mm -hmm. GPS coordinates or GLONASS? No, just uh, the state. Oh, well, state of grace. No, I mean like the U.S. state. Uh, Jefferson. There is no such a thing. You are a bold-faced liar, my friend. You know exactly where the border of Oregon to fucking Washington is, sir. I'm not in Washington, D.C. I don't want to be unclear. Jefferson is the Washington that isn't D.C. There are a lot, okay. a lot of places with the name Castle Rock. I, I know yeah. you got Castle Rock, Colorado, and Castle Rock County. I didn't know that. You, got, I, I uh, you, got, you got a bunch of other Castle Rocks. I, I know there's one in Maine. And I think it's uh, they call it the gateway to... What is it? Uh, the one, the, the mountain that erupted Mount St. Helens, right? Yeah, Mount St. Helens. That, 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 that erupted on my birthday. May 18th? Yeah, May 18th in 1980. You, were you sound so old. No, I was born in 1960, but I mean, I was oh. it, it erupted on my <laughs> 20th birthday. Yeah, okay. your mother had... Did your, you say I sound so old? had an eruption yeah, yeah, <laughs> Your mother had an eruption of anti-Semitism. My God, she no wait. She loved Jews. Yeah, but she well, had an eruption because they were Jews. Or yeah, no, had, she, she, had she, a, she had a revolution in it, and she had an eruption of anti-Semitism. Yeah. Personally, I love Jews, but not because they're Jews, in spite of the fact they're Jews. Really? Well, go ahead with your question, Jack Star. Well, my, my my first question was. Is my sound coming through all right? I have a weird setup going on. I don't know. Very if good. See. Yes, Dave. Very do you hear good. him? Okay. Yeah, I can hear him. Sure. Yeah. Do you, do you hear any kind of echo? No. A little bit. A little bit. Maybe a little. Perfect. That's that's perfect. Because I have echo here. It's it's distracting. In fact, which is good. It keeps me from spurting out. And if you can hear and it doesn't broadcast, is that good? We can hear you, but go on, go on. We can hear you. <sighs> well, I've been told to continue my breathing exercises. My question was, is this going to work? And it, it does. Yes. Well, good. What's your question for the good doctor? So are you from Castle Rock, Colorado, Castle Rock, you know, Washington, Castle Rock, uh, where? Vodka. I'm originally born in Seattle, Washington, about uh -huh. 250 miles north of my current location. Wow. And and right where I'm sitting, this might as well be the deep south. Oregon. Right where I'm you're old. sitting. Uh, I'm, in DC. I'm like I'm seven miles from Oregon. Yeah, I, I actually after uh, and then from college, I went up to um, Federal Way, Washington. I worked in in one of the, the big hotels there for a little while. I lost my virginity in Federal Way. Well, you did. Well, that, <laughs> that, that's too much information. We, we didn't need to know that. Yeah, no TMI. That's a history lesson. We, we didn't don't need to know it, but I didn't need to lose my virginity either. No, you should enough for God's sakes. You probably well, you know. Well, you know, I didn't lose my virginity at Federal Way when I when I had sex. I lost the phone number, and so I only had sex once. It was I, what I shouldn't have done. I was only done it once. I should have done it. Only time you had it in your life once. 
Oh shit! No, I've had plenty of sex since then. But after the first time, it was another several months before I hooked up with another lady, and I have regretted that ever since. Honestly, well, she was fine. a lovely. We we did, it wasn't just like a whore. I we we went on a date. I was set up to some extent, but people thought that they needed to, and it was a remarkable experience that I I treasure the memory of. I think most people are upset about their first time, in some way. I've I've come to terms with that. I'm 50 now. I've had plenty of successful relationships. I'm not a, I'm not a. Uh, Degenerate in that way. I, no, I have I'm a not from the woods. No, I am a I, I'm a hermit Virgo, but I'm not lost in woods. I'm a mile from the I five. So what's going on? What do you What do you need? What do you want to talk about? Anyone had questions based that. on a question? Yeah. Are we currently in a state of global peace? What is 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 there a ceasefire currently? Right now, a ceasefire, and in, in, you're talking about in Gaza. Uh, well, Gaia, planet Earth. No, I don't think this realm. is far coming. I, th- I think everything that I see is more war on the horizon. That's what I see. Well, well, what I, it's possibly maybe coming from different uh, perspectives in the timeline. I see a planet coming out of hot global conflict and things soothing down. And if that's that would be the, my ideal case for everyone, could we possibly take a moment to pray for global peace? Anyway. Well, I, should, I think we should have peace. We have to understand something that we live in global tyranny right now. We live. Well, can we pray? Can we pray together? Can we? Yeah. Well, you if, know, if you have. Clu- well, look, I, I, I pray before I go to bed. Just most nights I say a oh. quick prayer. I pray for my kids. I pray for my country. I pray for my oh. world. But, but you know uh-huh. what? This is a political show, and what we're trying to do. Agree. We're not, we're not having a church service today. We're really talking. Good, good. good. I don't want to either. I don't want to either. That was I'm going to have my two minutes because you asked me a question. I'm going to answer it. Okay. Let's talk. Fight. Fight. Okay. Well, this is this is my show, and it's Dave Gehari's show. And if you want to play by the rules, you're welcome to have a discussion. Thank you. I love rules. But thank you. But you're going to let me have my two minutes uninterrupted. And then we might have a discussion for a moment before we have the next call. But here we go. All right. We are living under tyranny. We're losing our freedom of speech every day. The European people are being dispossessed. They're being, in effect, genocided. If the real meaning of of genocide is being utilized here, the, the destruction of the genes, the genes that constitute the United States of America, the people of America, the built America, the people that built Christian civilization in America, the people that built Christian civilization in Canada, the people that built Christian civilization in the countries of Europe, people that built Christian civilization in Russia and Eastern Europe. We are losing our genetic identity, our heritage, our values, the way we look, the way we feel, our traditions, and we are losing I think, all the great aspects of the societies that our forefathers built. The tradition we've had of true justice, we don't have justice now. We, we have an injustice system. We have a Jewish system. We got Jews. Because we got, we got if, if the head of the prosecution in this country was uh, Jewish that? and the guy. Who is that? I'm sorry. Who do you think it is? Merrick. So no shit, I didn't know that. I'm sorry. Go ahead. So oh. he's, he's Jewish, 
And in fact, when he got uh, put in the office, all he could do was thank America because he saved because they saved the Jews from the, those terrible oh. Christian Russians, right? <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. This guy, but this guy, all right, is he, they're still prosecuting people that were uh-huh. into the Capitol. They nobody had guns. It wasn't a revolution. It wasn't a takeover. They couldn't take over the government. They had no military. Nobody. There were military wow. police you know, all over the place that could have repelled them. This wasn't an insurrection. It was nothing more than a protest. Just like, unlike the Black Panthers that went into the Capitol a few short years ago with guns. It was more, though. It was a, it was a PSYOP on top of that, for sure. Well, it was. That it, actually it, not, exa- yeah. Well, you're exactly right, because that's how, that's how, that's how wars are waged today. And, and yeah. Well, our propaganda, our propaganda means, and and you know, it summed up perfectly. It was very much like when Hitler went into Poland and took took over the broadcast station. Well, anytime you do a war, you do that. But the, here's the difference: I, well, I don't they, take over, they take over, they take over things in peacetime. They, well, they, they, the Jews were at war with Western civilization. Back when the turn of the century, when they began, began to have radio, they started taking over newspapers, like the New York Times. Times were taking the over Bolsheviks. Newspapers. Well, the Bolsheviks, of course, the Bolsheviks, the Bolshevism was nothing more than the Jews grabbing and stealing Russia from the Russians. Yeah, yeah. The, the, the Russian state and even removing the name of Russia from Russia because that's how much they hated the Russians. But they, I, love, I love where you speak on this. It's just like that scene in Jaws where you're comparing scars. <laughs> well, that's right. Whatever. But here's the situation that the tyranny is coming to the world and and the tyranny is made more possible today because of the, today we have the technology to to shadow people wherever they go watch oh, yeah. people whatever they go direct people's minds to whatever Dangerous. they want them to see for instance your search engines right on on Google yeah it's horrifying they, they send you that when, when the, 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 the world's encyclopedia today is Wikipedia. It is a hundred times more powerful than the biggest encyclopedia ever was in America before, because now everybody's got it in their pocket and with your cell phone or in their computer. And when you want to check something or idea or principle or fact or historical in- interest or politician, you go to Wikipedia. Wikipedia is run by a Jew. His name is Wales. He's a self. Oh, yeah, that guy. Oh, right? yeah. He also just got a prize from Bar- Barra's Land University in Israel. I got my facts, buddy. I got my facts. I believe and, yeah. and, uh, and that's the reality. And, and we have a mind that's controlled just about at every level. And politics, you, you, know, you don't have to worry. About, you know, it's not even about just about how the fact that ballots can be corroded and collected by these so-called mail-in ballots. It's, it's yeah. a fact is that how do you have a fair election when you have an unelected media that's controlled by billionaire Jews and totally dominated by them, and you have constant 24-7 on 95% or 98% of that media that's nothing but a secret campaign commercial on every news show practically, yeah. on every I, even I, t- uh, entertainment show for agreed. the candidate that they choose and to to disrepair, so to speak, that George Washington said that we have to have a we need we need to put up symbols to which the wise honors can repair. Yeah. Well, we have, oh, we yeah, have really, yeah. that just repairs us against people that are more interested 
I like your we have a situation where people well, that we have a media that's Jewish that disrepairs yeah, yeah. people that we are most interested in. Oh, that's my that. friend, Jeff. Friends. Jeff, I'm on a show right now, my Sunday night show on uh, oh. the uh, Ask Dave with uh, I love your Dave Duke and uh, Dave Kahari. So we're doing a live show. So anyway, I give my greetings to the people that are listening to our show here tonight. Oh, that's wonderful. Thank you. I, mean, I, don't I had a good interview, by the way, with the lady you told me about. So a fine Jewish woman that exposes the, the Jewish threat to the world. It was really a great interview that I did with her. Thank you. Thank you. Bye. Now, Druish or Jewish? Because I'm, I'm, I'm a Druid, and that's not Jewish. Uh, Some Druids are Jewish, but I'm Thanks, not. Thanks, Jeff. I'm sorry that I can't talk to you now. I look forward to talking no, no, to you. No, no, it's okay. We'll Take talk care. soon. All righty. Good night. Good night. So that was Jeff Rents, folks, the great Jeff Rents and the great network that he's on. We honor him uh, a lot, and uh, I really appreciate everything he's done to get my work out to the world because I've reached a lot of people through the Rents Radio Network, and I'm very thankful. Does, does Jeff still have the afro? What? Does he still have the hair? That's not an afro. That's that's. It's very curly. It looks like something from a, uh, uh, I don't know. What, what, do you, what would you say? An enlightenment. Uh, it looks like one of the musicians from the from the uh, from no, not like a Jew at all. It looks like the musician. <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry, I just joke. Where I come from, Jeff Rents has a picture well, where he looks type of you know. Uh, I've like never that. seen the real Jeff Rents. Never, never. Well, I've, really? uh, yeah. I've visited him, uh, and he's a great guy. And, and yeah, Colorado, and you know, uh, anyway. So uh, he's, uh, you know, he he definitely went through that era, and I don't I don't mind it. That's not my style, but you know, he's a cool guy. He's cool. Oh, thank you. And I liked sure. a lot of people. Even you know, when I grew up, most of those artists had long hair. I have a little longer hair than I have now, but I knew people like Ronnie Van Zant. I, I was he was coming out the to meet with me uh, when his plane crashed. Leonard Skinner band. Wow, I didn't know that at all. And there's nothing, there is nothing. I'll tell you one of the greatest little three or four minute videos, and I think the listeners of this show would definitely should look this up. Just go, just go look up Leonard Skinner and look up on YouTube, Leonard Skinner at um, Oakland, California uh, at a concert. Filled up an entire stadium, and Watch a giant Confederate flag behind it. And he, they, they're one of the things that's I have a brown coat. The, the video shows um, uh, th- this concert, and they play Freebird, and it is probably the best rendition of Freebird. It's a great song. It, it, it is almost, uh, it's, it's almost spiritual. It's, it's such a great song. And the, it's one the, of my favorite. The, the guitar and the singing and and the crowd is just going crazy. And the crowd is looks like looks like what America used to be. Uh, this was in the seventies, and it, but it was just packed. And the people are growing wild, and the people are beautiful. I mean, it looked like something that you'd you'd uh, think of in the very heart of Europe. And that's Oakland, California, and the, and they're all. You know, screaming and clapping, hearing there's a Confederate flag as big as, big as the stage. So I want to see that then. With those are the how days. Are well, thank you, uh, thank you, Michael, and we'll it's get you back in. It's a tragedy later on. A pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, hang out, buddy. Because he offered. 
he told mm-hmm. me that uh, he said he had to clear it with the band, you know, but I think he was going to do it. I think he could have at that time. Uh, but he offered to have a fundraiser or thing if I ran for office in Louisiana. He and he would have we would have a million people at it, right? And yeah. I would probably would have won my election when I finally did run for the U.S. Senate, and I came very close to winning. Uh, but that he unfortunately it was a plane crash, uh, and he was on his way to Natchitoches, Louisiana. And uh, interesting, I remember during when I, when I was campaigning for governor and senator, one little small little story in my life. But uh, we were flying to a. Uh, meeting of the of the, the uh, Seventh-day Adventists where I have a big political meeting. I always invite all the candidates to speak. And uh, Edwards came to speak, and I went to speak, and uh, different times, uh, different days. But I went up there, and we had a terrible thunderstorm. And uh, there was a, actually a preacher guy that had a private plane, and he was going to fly me back to Baton Rouge. I was operating out of Baton Rouge then, serving in the House of Representatives. And... Um, so we took off and, and bad weather came up. There wasn't a very good radar at that time. And, uh, we came into this thunderstorm, which is the worst thing I ever saw. And we got into a downdraft and the plane was just getting up, you know, over the, it's all woods there. It's all trees. So if the plane crashes, you're dead. And, uh, we had a downdraft and we dropped about 2000 feet. Uh, and it's just a matter of seconds. You know, it was like we had we had zero gravity for a while on that plane. And I had my life flashing in my eyes. You know, I saw my kids going to my funeral, you know, and and um, I saw the newspaper headlines, you know, uh, David Duke dies in plane crash. Uh, and um, uh, no, you forgot the adjectives. I, I, well, I didn't have. The, yeah. Vile anti-Semite. Whatever. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, Grand wizard. Dragon Where, wizard, but I don't even know if they've done that. That time, but it would have been pretty big. Yeah. It was national, but but because uh, it was a big, well covered campaign worldwide. Um, but anyway, so but it was the last minute. You know, we we pulled up out of it, and and I remember flying into Baton Rouge, seeing the lights of Baton Rouge was kind of clear, getting cleared out, and uh, and it was just such a such a relief. To live, I felt like I had so much more to do in my life, and and I got to, and I got to see my kids. And boy, when you have situations like that in your life, you know how precious life is. That's when everybody finds God, right? Well, you know, it's like when you have an experience where you kind of see the end. I mean, you know, you you really um, you get this like you just have. It's like almost an out of body experience. You know, it's just like. You, you see your death or you see the possibility of your death. And it's, um, it's kind of a life changer. And, and a few other changers for life changers was going to jail one time. That was a big changer for me because, um, that didn't break me. It just made me tougher. And it was kind of a lesson that I needed. It was a, a, a year and a half basic lesson in my life, a danger thing, but I survived it and did well in it. I just got stronger from it. And on other things that we're doing, I, I lived in Russia for about three or four years working with Alexander Solzhenitsyn. And when I went to prison, I had already uh, bought a couple of apartments that I had saved up for my retirement. I knew it was going to be a really good place because I knew Russia was coming free. I knew Russia had a great future. I believed that Putin was going to put it in the right track because I believed he was going to overthrow the Jewish uh, 
commissars, you know, and he, and he did do that. But um, so I got some uh, property and I, I know about construction and I reconstructed it and uh, had a good Russian friend. We went to the markets and, and uh, I made these apartments really modern because I knew that Russia was going to be the middle of this very resource rich country. And I knew it was just a good opportunity. And I knew that if I got these markets, I could rent these out uh, and make them, uh, you know, make them luxury apartments and three apartments all had views of the Kremlin or near two, two of them were near the Kremlin. You could actually see the Kremlin wall from the apartment. So I knew they were going to become valuable. And I knew that if I made a nice, which I did, that, that would bring an income with me for the rest of my life so I could put all my revenues, whatever I do, into the cause, which would have been great. Well, as it goes, when they sent me to prison, uh, the apartments got ended up steal, uh, stolen from me, not by Russians, by the way, but by uh, some Americans who were corrupt. But um, but it was kind of interesting, and uh, and I was I was really set that those apartments would have been worth a million and a half dollars. Yeah. Um, that but, sucks, man. But that's what happens in life. But but you know what? It 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 was hard. I mean, it was like one of those things that happened because I had my money invested in my time, my work. It was successful. I had those apartment three apartments rented out for about eight thousand dollars a month. So I was in a situation where I needed to draw no income from my work. I could just put everything in, and I did do that anyway for most of my life. I put my book revenue just into the cause. I put the things that I made the most money from into the cause. And, um, but I just, you know, I just buckled down. I said, it's not the end of the world. I recovered, you know, yeah. And, and ultimately, uh, next thing I, I knew, I moved to, uh, Austria to work on all sorts of new things. I got my videos going and they reached billions of people. I got my books published, uh, uh, all over. Uh, and the books were already read by 500 million people, uh, in one form or another in 20 languages. And all these things, uh, pushed me forward. I could have done more if I wouldn't have lost the property, but I still, as a man, it made me stronger. And that's what life is, because if you really look at it, um, what makes you really great is not the easy things that you accomplish. What makes you great is the tough times in your life. And when you get through them, it's like Nietzsche said very beautifully. He said, what does not destroy me makes me stronger. And and now it's true that, and I say this to all the young people listening right now, in fact, you're going to have times in, in, in your life when you think everything's over. You're going to have times you feel like you'd rather be dead. That happens to most people. And it's like the, the truth is when you get through the hard times, it makes the easy times more productive than you ever had before. And I never have been productive as much as when I lost that property, uh, when I had to work doubly hard just to recount my losses. When I, uh, when I went to prison, which caused me to lose the property in, in part, uh, and, and not knowing what was going to happen in prison, you hear all the stories, but I was a pretty strong guy. I made sure that, uh, that I was as strong as I could be when I went to that prison. I was lucky in a lot of ways because even though it was an overwhelming non-white prison, it was 85%, uh, Mexican, including gangs and everything else. And, and, uh, about, you know, and, well, excuse me, it was, uh, 
60% or so, a bit more than that, uh, Mexican, and then another 15% black, about 15% white, a few other races. But uh, between the Mexicans and the uh, blacks, and they had big posters of me all around the prison. People could see they were put up by PETA, which showed me with a white mustache, and it said, you got milk? You know? <laughs> They used to be in the Peter billboards. And that. <clears throat> Dave, I'm going to read something to you, and then we're going to take the All right, let's do it. the top of the uh, hour break uh, okay. from from the fella who just uh, was on, Michael, who goes by a different name. Okay. Uh, he says, uh, you are a legend for amazingly scintillating reasons, Dr. Duke. I can see why I have heard so much about you, and yet so very little from you. I don't mean to sound too ass-kissy. It's not often that I get to meet a living legend, Humbles. Well, I'm proud to meet you, sir. And uh, and you know what? Uh, everybody lives uh, sometimes desperate lives. Everybody has... Issues in their life of tragedy. Everybody, everybody loses a love or a loved one. Everyone loses, you know, a dog or something that they loved so much in their life and it was a part of their life. Everyone loses at some point in their life money or position or security. Everyone faces an enemy that does great harm to them. Everybody faces, generally speaking, in their life at some point, medical issues or other kinds of issues in their life, loss of freedom unjustly. There's all sorts of things that happen to people. And um, it's it's just amazing when you just take control of your life. And I love, and when I, people often ask me, there's two things I follow. One is I follow the teachings of Jesus Christ. And I put my faith in God, and which I think is the heart of destiny. And I, I do believe my father used to put it this way to me all my life. And I can give you this before the hour break. And, and that is that he always used to say to me, son, I've always believed that everything works out for the best, even times that, you know, that you think are damaging to you or terrible to you. Ultimately, things happen sometimes because of some, because of it or some other thing. But things work out for the best. And I remember when my father was telling me he was on the way to um, to the Philippines. He was looking actually forward to going to the Philippines and serving under MacArthur. He was an officer. My father actually brought the uh, the orders to General Eisenhower, who was doing maneuvers in Louisiana, by the way, when he was ordered to go to Europe. That's a pretty good story, too, right? My father brought Eisenhower the orders. Uh, to go to Europe, which was a tragedy, by the way, for Europe and a tragedy for mankind as well that we got in that damn war. But, um, but anyway, he's always just saying to me, everything's worked out for the best. And he was on the way to the Philippines when the Japanese attack on Pearl Harbor happened. And because of that, he was redirected for a while. He later went to the Philippines, but he was redirected to, uh, Washington state. And he was assigned to, you know, to put his artillery. He was again, a, a, like a major at the time, uh, on like the, 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 the roofs of Boeing, because they were expecting a Japanese attack on the mainland at some point. And then later he went to, of course, the South Pacific and, and fought in the war. But, um, 
but he didn't know it at that time. He, he really felt disappointed. And he says everything worked out for the best in his life. The timing was good. But it's like, um, you know, if you think about things that way in a positive sense, that gives you an opportunity to do something positive. It's the same way if you don't believe that you can succeed in it, you might fail in your creation of a restaurant or writing a paper or a book or, you know, a new company or a new idea or a new engineering principle or a new job. You might fail. But you know what? If you are convinced you're not going to fail, if you don't try, you're never going to have the opportunity to succeed. And it only takes a very few successes, successes to wipe away all the failures before you had. So you're not defined by your failures. You're defined by what you do that's successful. So that's, in a sense, a deliverance. In a sense, it's a, it, it's a salvation. And, and one of the things that uh, captures my heart and captures my mind, and one thing I find beautiful is the idea of Christianity when Christ said that, you know, I take, you know, I take your sins upon me. I, I, I whatever failures, whatever failures you've done in your life, whatever sins you've committed, whatever um, things you've done, you feel you've done wrong, or you didn't do the right thing in our life, and everybody does that. Uh, he said, I take this upon me. And in my suffering, I relieve you of yours. You have the right to feel free. Dave, top of the hour break. You have the right. We'll be back. We'll be back. We'll be back, Dave. Okay, folks, this is Dave Gahari, and you are listening to the Dave and Duke Call-In Show on speakfreeradio.com. And another great show, of course, Dave is waxing eloquently. Tonight, it's 1900 hours central time. Before we get back to the show, I will say that tomorrow on Speak Free Radio, Monday, January 22, the Based Monday Sane Asylum. It's the show by white people for white people and co-hosted Based White Nationalists, Northern Nevada Paul, and Davis Lerman. That is uh, Giuseppe the G-Man, Giuseppe Vafanculo, on Speak Free Radio from 1 to 3 Eastern, so that's 1,300 to 1,500 hours Eastern Time, Mondays, Wednesdays, and I think now Fridays too. So I think it's Monday, Wednesdays, and Fridays from 1 to 3 Eastern. Make sure you check that out. It's always a great show with Giuseppe. Okay, let's get back to the show. To you, Dave. Can I say a word to you, Dave? Uh, go ahead. I'm looking forward to hearing that show tomorrow. And um, Dave, I just wanted to say for a minute that I always feel an op- absolute obligation to to endeavor to wax as eloquently as I can, because anything less would cause a disappointment. <laughs> but I, I do want to say that I always want to confront questions. And that's what this show is all about, where people can ask questions. But I want to prime people with a question that I hope somebody asks me or I can answer if you ask me or anybody else answers. And it's really, really important, I believe, to correct. And there's a lot of, and I'm, I'll say a lot of them are good Jews 
who are fighting and talking about the genocide that Israel is committing. And I, and I, my whole life, it's a great, it's a great revelation to see Jews being called genociders and mass murderers and criminals all over the world today. Of course, they've been doing this for, for lots of years. This, this didn't begin with what they did in Gaza. But also we're getting a lot of disinformation because they keep trying to compare Israel with South Africa or Israel. With Dave, Israel. Dave, I don't mean to interrupt you, but we've got a full house. Let's well, come I, back to that. I'm not going to say, but one, one more minute. They want to keep comparing Israel to apartheid. Israel's not apartheid. Apartheid was created by forward in South Africa, and it was about self-determination for all people, including people in Africa. He didn't bomb the people in Africa. Right. He was enabling them to have their own society. Right. Apartheid is not what South Africa right. Dave, was. Dave, maybe somebody it will ask. not what apartheid is. Right. Israel is mass murder and mass genocide, not just of the Palestinians, but of Europeans in the Second World War and right. Europeans in the First right. World War. Oh, yeah. Europeans yeah. in the Korean War. Yeah, Europeans they're, they're criminals. In war, and Europeans yes. in the Iraq War and Europeans in all these wars. That That is what Israel and Zionist power is in this world. And it's not just Jewish supremacy and Jewish racism and Jewish Jewish racism and supremacy in Israel. It's Jewish supremacism in the globe. And that's the only reason that Israel gets away with this crap. That's what I had to say. Awesome. Awesome. Somebody had to say it. Uh, I'm glad you did. All right, let's bring uh, in. I'd like to talk deeply about that subject. Uh, I, yeah. Uh, I, I know uh, this is... Uh, this has got to be Richard from the UK. I know it is. Hey, how did you guess? I don't know. I don't well, know. Richard just, always has good questions. It's kind of easy. Go ahead, it's my easy. friend. Boy, what yeah. you that, good last, that, that last tirade, Richard, did you think that was on target? Definitely, definitely. I, I appreciated your um, uh, your consideration in uh, with the first caller as well, because as you could clearly hear from uh, Dave reading out the chat comment, uh, he clearly appreciated it. Now, I was thinking in my head the question that Dave Gahari poses every week uh, about uh, a greater threat. And so far, thus, I haven't been able to find anything. Um, so I'll commend you that. Uh, the question I have really uh, concerns developments in the UK. There's a um, activist by the name of Sam Melia who works for uh, Patriotic, um, Patriotic uh, uh, Alternative. No, Patriotic Alternative. That's correct. Yeah, I was thinking of the uh, PWR. But um, he's facing a jail sentence for littering in the same similar vein as um, Handsome Truth did in Florida. Right. Uh, I wanted to know if you could expand on that, please, whether these laws will be uh, likely to be uh, um, rescinded in future uh, due to the, uh, you know, the generality of which they're um, expressed or whether they're tight tightening up. And how do we fight this? Uh, and I'll mention a comment by saying that the Blade Runners, who are opposing um, ULES, which is the ultra low emission zones, mm. uh, do seem to be having some, uh, you know, positive results in the sense that they are uh, destroying these cameras that are recording right. these um, petrol usage, and uh, it seems to be effective struggle. Uh, but that's my question. Thank you very Can much. You for a second, there was a problem. Hello. Yeah, Dave. Can you? Hello. Hear what did you hear? I hear did you. you hear me right? I hear yeah. you. Did you hear Richard's question? I didn't hear the end of it. 
Okay, he just uh, was talking about the Blade Runners. Do you think that um, all of these uh, pieces of legislation around the globe confronting or addressing, quote-unquote, littering, do you think that's they're going to be forced to pull back, or do you think they're going to expand the littering legislation? You know, it's... It's unbelievable. I have a couple of interesting, com- I think, comments about this that you might enjoy. Um, how dare them? And putting out literature just challenging the policies that are destroying our people and destroying Europe and wiping away all the basic rights of our people, taking away their rights and trying to put people in prison. For of all things, littering simply because they're telling the truth about the apocalypse facing Europe with this demographic invasion of our countries, which every country's got a right to admit. It's like what I was talking about earlier about Palestine. The Palestinians, where whenever they say that we're white racists, right, because we oppose the immigration into our countries, the same people that defend Palestine. Why don't they talk about the fact that the Palestinians protested in the streets to the British controllers of their land and the British mandate? They protested the Jewish mass migration into Palestine, which they knew was a threat to their people. They rioted. They fought it. So why are Europeans supposed to be evil for resisting this ourselves? Now, as far as the trash how in the hell can they put person people in prison for trash when Jews control the pornography racket, which is the biggest bunch of trash, filth, disgust, excrement ever washed over the minds and the bodies of our children? It destroys lives. It destroys marriages. It destroys children. It picks the most evil parts of the human brain. It, it, it does nothing but when you have child pornography, it excites the pedophile that seeks that out and makes him want to realize those evils. That's the trash. But those people, those people who are making the pornography, the end user, they, they can be put in jail and they could put that on your computer too. You got to be careful. You got to try to really protect your computer these days because it's, it's child's play for any Jew to put this on your computer or the massage to do it. But the problem is, is why haven't the porn kings who've been behind this process, why haven't they been ferreted out? How about the Jewish gang that was caught in Italy and in Russia? They were kidnapping Russian children and defiling them, even doing snuff movies of rape and murder of children. They found out this gang, but no one in the media would identify it as a Jewish gang and it was a Jewish gang. Why is the Epstein sex trafficking ring, why is not right out to what it was? It was a Mossad spy ring. I mean, even the Daily Mail admitted that I was kind of uh, surprised on it. It was all run by Jews. If it was Russians, it would be all of the news. So, yes, these things and these restrictions on our freedom, of course they're going to continue. Because the Jews, and when I say this, I'm not talking about every Jew. I'm talking about the Jewish elite, the Jewish billionaires, the Jewish controllers, 
the, the Jews who control the mass media, who control the politicians, who've infiltrated our governments, who've infiltrated much of tech, who's infiltrated much of, you know, just commercial interests, who's certainly taken over our banks and our judiciary in America and a lot of it around the world. And pretty soon, I don't even think we're going to get a good court. Hopefully, they're going to find Israel guilty of uh, genocide. Never has been a clearer case. It's admitted by the people like Netanyahu. But we don't know because I know America's not going to vote for it. And I know that they're, they've got Russia and China under pressure. I'm hoping Russia and China come through. If, if they don't, I'll really be disappointed. But Russia and China have a lot at stake because they're already trying Russia and China and they're calling them genocide when obviously they're not genociders, but Israel obviously is. But if Russia votes, you know, for conviction or for charging them with genocide and China does, that's just going to call, you know, raise the heat on Russia and China where they're going to try to get them convicted and, and all that. And, and Russia and China have to know that. And this is the kind of influence they can use on people. But the answer to the question is absolutely. The Jews know, though, that it's not the jig that's up. It's the Jews that are up. Jews know now that their real face is exposed to the world. And it's not a pretty face. It's not a face of justice. It's not a face of people who've been victimized, innocent people. It's a face of mass murder. It's a face of war. It's a face of corruption. It's a face of massive theft and resulting poverty. It's a face behind the encouragement of drug abuse among our children and other people and drug scams, like the Sassans we talked about earlier with their opium wars, like the Sacklers and the billions they made from legalized drug use. I mean, People are beginning to see, and Israel's real self, I said this in my awakening, I said this in Jewish supremacy, I said this in Behind Communism. I quoted from the Jews saying that Israel, because Israel is a complete creation of the Jews and the Jewish religion and Jewish Zionism, and by the way, they're all interlaced. They're not separate things. Those who want to say, oh, it's just a Zionist, no. Judaism itself... Zionism and Judaism are exactly the same. Judaism is based on Jewish supremacy. The Jews are the favorite of God. In fact, they're the only human beings, and the rest of the human beings have evil souls. Time's up. But no, they're going to tighten up even more. They're going to try to repress freedom because they know the truth getting out. They are paranoid. They realize the world's waking up. Their only choice is to use every device at their disposal to silence anyone in this world that dares to speak. And may I offer a silver lining, if I may, uh, just sure. by saying that Sam Melia, who's been in the news, he's been on um, comments in uh, mm-hmm. Facebook and various yeah. other channels where you can chat and, and participate and leave your comment. He had almost the majority, well, I wouldn't say complete support, but the majority of people were supporting him, saying that this was an outrage, it's it's such a general um, uh, you know action to be convicted of littering. Uh, it's it's non-specific, and they were supportive of Sam Melia in his in his plight. And I thought that that would be something which is a silver lining, is it not? Because it challenges the authority and legitimacy of such uh, um, prosecuting powers. Um, and it shows you. It's, yeah. it's, it also exposes. Can I 
Please, I didn't mean to interrupt you if you want to finish. No, no, no worries. Okay, so I want to tell you it also exposes their massive duplicity. They, there's never been a people, there's never been a philosophy. You know, it, you know, the Europeans were like, you know, occasionally, and there was wars of conquest, and there have been wars all throughout history that way. But the Europeans, when they did, when, when Alexander the Great conquered the world, do you know how much learning and science and philosophy and beauty and civilization, culture. basically, civilization yeah, civilization came to the world. I mean, precisely. look at the architecture they built wherever they went. Look, look at their system of laws. Look at their system of the idea of freedom that you have. Actually, you're supposed to, you should have a fair court of law, right? When you're charged with the defense and not just have the powerful yeah. just go out and, and, and crucify exactly. you, right? So, I mean, this is what Europeans brought to us. We what Romans brought and the lessons yeah. the Romans taught. Even the countries later after the Roman Empire fell, even those countries learned a lot from the Romans and they were better from it. The Indian people of India, even though I don't agree with, you know, I don't support those kind of things now. I don't think it's, it's appropriate. But at one point, the, the India stepped into the 20th century because of the British. And, and they stepped in for maybe the, 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 the centuries of the teens, you know, way, way before modern world until British came and brought them into the modern world. And they benefited from the architecture, from the science, from the education the British built, the roadways, the railways, the, uh, the learning they brought, the academics they brought and the principles of, of, uh, having a government that should be representing your values, which is an inherent value of Great Britain and a, a value of America, even though it's not being practiced. We've been taken over right. now by these Jews. That's right. But, but yes, I, I think that they're being exposed and yes. I, I absolutely Increasing. believe that the world is waking up to it. And it's, it's not working anymore, what the Jews are saying. And everybody's starting to say they see this massive murder. And then we just say to them, we just open their eyes, and you say to them, you think this is new? You think the Jews didn't lie us into the Iraq War? You think the Jews didn't lie us into the Vietnam War? You think the no. Jews didn't lie to us in the Second World War, in the First World War? And getting America involved in the First World War with the Balfour Declaration and the deal they made. You know, it's like this has been going on and it's not been going on for hundreds of years. It's been going on for thousands of years. They've been dealing in this kinds of thing. And Uh, uh, as a final question, Dr. Duke, my brother is here. but He wants me to act as a conduit for him. Uh, If he was to obtain three of your books, what order should he read them in? Uh, I mentioned, obviously, My Awakening. But I think My Awakening, Jewish Supremacism. And and secret behind communism. Which one should he read first? My awakening. Uh, My It's a big task and yep. it's a long book. If he wants to go into the Jewish question first, he can read Jewish supremacism first, and it's, yep. it's very succinct, uh, but it's extremely powerful. Once you read I'm the first chapter of the book, the it's going to teach you. You know, the one of the quotes I make in the first chapter of the book is something. That it once it, see what I do is I challenge challenge people's ability to think, but I make it so simple and so clear they begin to realize that they have been lied to on all these important issues. Like, for instance, Jews present themselves as the people of justice, as they're the victims of injustice and victims of uh, victims of tyranny. When the truth is, 
they've been, been behind almost every tyranny you can probably think of. The, with yes. the tyranny of slavery, they were the biggest slave traders in the history of the world, including the masters of the triangular trade fair from the Africans to the Americas. They also yeah. were masters of the slave trade of Europeans that were brought by the Corsairs, the North Africans, into yeah. Africa, where the Jews were the slave traders, where they were trafficking American, not American, but but British and uh, European people lived along the coast, even to Iceland and Scandinavia, okay. were captured by the Corsairs and lived a life of horror in, in, in the Middle East as chained slaves and concubines and and uh, and whores for That's right. for this. there is a story dr duke i don't know if you've come across it that there's a cornishman by the name of thomas pello who mm-hmm. wrote a story about his capture by said corsairs uh it's a book that i'd recommend if you haven't it's read it gold. i'm gonna bow out now because steve kahari i think is getting a bit you're talking about, about the, how much you're, you're talking no. about thomas pello <laughs> well, again, I, this is thing thing. We see, we always seem to go things in which I know because I'm studied. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It, it, he wrote a book called White Gold. Yes, yes. Thomas Pello. I think he was a, he was a slave himself. That from I Cornwall. recommend the reading of everyone of White Gold, and he yeah. goes into the whole slave trade. He was captured, and they were That's chained right. up every night. The Africans in America weren't chained up every night, or anywhere in in in, in the Western world. Chained up in dungeons, right? African-Americans had their own place. They had their own families, their own cabin, and the families were actually kept together. That's that's actual history, right? And it wasn't the biggest per capita slave owners in the world. For Not only was the slave trade itself the most dangerous and horrific part of slavery, that was where the real deaths took place. The, the blacks very prospered under slavery, but I'm not saying I'm in favor of slavery, but I'm just saying, but it was a slave trade that was the most deadly, horrible, and torturous thing that they endured, and that was run by Jews completely. And they even admit that in their own books and their own histories. But you're not able, you're not able to see, they brag about it actually. Yeah. When I guess that stuff could be bragged about. And, uh, but this is the kind of thing that are, is being exposed. So, one thing, and this is what I was trying to get in earlier, I'll just take a minute to do that right now to illustrate my point earlier, okay? They keep trying to tell you that Israel is equal to white colonialism, or this is white colonials like white settlers. No, it's not. When, it, when, when, the, when the pilgrims from your country and my ancestors came from Britain to America, in fact, my an, their direct ancestor created the, the, what's called the Thanksgiving holiday to commemorate this. But we know the record of the first Thanksgiving of the pilgrims. So they came into America. They they suffered greatly. Disease, a hard voyage. A lot of them even didn't make the trip, didn't even, couldn't even make the trip. The, the ships didn't make it in the storms and hurricanes and everything else. But they, they, they created a life. They suffered to come for freedom, to, to come for a new life, to do like all people try to do. And to a, to a mostly in empty landscape, there were certainly Indians, but there was a tiny percent of Indians in, in hundreds of millions of acres of land, uh, billions of acres of land. And, uh, they came and when they had their celebration, they invited the Indians to the celebration and they fed them the bounty of their harvest and they gave them drink and supplication. And they celebrated with them, believe it or not. And yep. they honored them. And you know what? 
you can't even imagine an Orthodox Jew doing this because their right. their Orthodox Jewish laws don't even let them eat at the same table with a goyim. That's right. I, I better bow out now because people in the chat do want to come in. Uh, those yeah. titles again. This is though, not. Uh, this, Israel's Duke. not uh, white colonialism. So it's not white right. supremacy. That's right. That's right. It's Thanks, Jewish, Richard. Jewish genocide. Um, we'll get we'll get you back in in sure. the lightning round. Yeah, those three texts is what I wanted to know. But thank you very much, Dave. Cheers. Thank Thanks. you. Thanks, buddy. Okay, uh, let's bring it. Elegant enough, or is yeah. I, am I getting too raucous? Oh, come on, Dave. I know. I'm just joking. Come on. I know you love it when I get. I it. do. I do. Um, I'm trying to. I was just trying to bring in Justin. He was here for the entire show. And then he disappeared, and then he came back, and I just wanted to bring him in, and he he must be having trouble. So let's bring in our good friend Michael from California. Dave. Hi, Dr. Duke. Hi, Dave hey. Gahari. How you doing tonight? Hey, hey, How are you doing? I'm doing great. Um, yeah, Dr. Duke, you're very passionate tonight, and uh, I, I really appreciate that you, you know, you're a Christian like I am, and you follow the New Testament and we follow the principles of Jesus Christ because he is the one that's going to settle this in the end. You know, I mean, it's very scary that the Jews, they got all the power right now. They are dominating us. They're totally dominating us. And uh, we can only hope that they just overshoot, you know, and they 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 just they overshoot and that uh, that Christ can just uh, sort this out because uh they hold all the levers of power. So I appreciate your, your Christian uh, uh, feelings and compassion for people and how the media has just treated you so unfairly all these years, just treated you so unfairly when you, you know, I know you're a loving guy and you, you care about the human race and whatnot. And, and we, uh, you know, exposing these Jews like you've been doing for many, many years and uh, like uh, David Kahari and all the other people there at Money Tree. And uh, so thank you for uh, all your work that you have done. That That's what my call is for you tonight. Wow. Thank you very, very much. I really, uh, I'm thankful for that. I mean, I, I've taken enough abuse in my life from the media and it really hurts sometimes when people that don't even know me, you never yep. read a word I've written, never listened to any of my thoughtful commentaries and the way I write and the way I write my awakening, nobody's who actually reads that book is ever going to say that's a book of hate or that it's a book of vile, you know, beliefs. It's actually a book that condemns hate and condemns violence against the innocent and condemns um, the wars that have been the biggest robbers of life or stealers of life from people and the life more especially of the youngest people that have all those those lives to live that are lost. A lot of people count deaths that probably the most denominator made this is an interesting thought too. I love these kind of philosophical thoughts that um, we really should count deaths when young people die or like young men. A lot of them never even had a child yet who die and the loss of lived years of the last of the years that they're going to lose as a young person. They'll never get to live the, the lost years. That should be a parameter. It's one thing. It's, it's a terrible thing when an old person dies, 
But and it's a sad thing. And we all have seen that with the people that we love in our lives. But when you think about it, a young person that dies, like these young kids that are being tortured and slaughtered, slaughtered, slaughtered and tortured. Also, you know, three times as many that died have lost their arms or their eyesight or have crippled for life or lost their legs and their arms. I mean, you can't you can't even make it up. Or they've suffered enormous pain and suffering. It's not self-defense what the Jews say. It's not self-defense. Of I'm course sorry. it isn't. No. no. they No, they like like the old Polish proverb, it's a true proverb. The Jew always cries in pain as he as he strike him. As yeah. he strikes you, yeah. Look, I wanna I wanna give you told something about the New Testament. I'm gonna share something with you right now. And okay. and if this is really important. And this is really important for the Christians you know in your life. And now you can actually go to my gab and look in. There's a whole section of gabs. You can actually see all the uh, pictures that I posted and all the memes I posted. So I have a, a screenshot of the Jerusalem Post. And it's from a, an article by a Jew named Botich. He's also one of these Jews supporting the mass murder of Palestinians right now. But this is the name of the article from the Jerusalem Post, the most prestigious paper in Israel. Is the New Testament on a Semitic by Shmuley Botich? And his answer? Oh, yeah, of course it is, very much. But we're, but don't worry, we're getting those Christians under our control, you know. But he goes on to point out, and I'll just quote from the, from the book. This will take me about a minute or two and I'll be done and we'll go to another subject. But he says, um, he says, in his removing, this is talking about Botich, anti polemic polemic from the Christian electionaries, a proposal. Norman A. Beck lists about 450 examples of explicitly anti-Semitic verses throughout the Synoptic Gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. That's just a Matthew, Mark, and Luke. There's a plenty more. <laughs> There's Thessalonians. Plenty more. Yeah, Thessalonians. Oh, my yeah. God. Read, read the writings of St. Paul. He said, but I'd be accursed because of my race. He said, he, he goes on to say that, uh, he, he goes on to quote, Christ is saying how the Jews no longer considered in his covenant. And in, in, in Thessalonians, you know, it's in Corinthians, it literally says that the Jews drove out the, you know, grow, drove out the, the Gentiles, drove out the good people, drove out those that accepted Jesus Christ, kept us from preaching to the Gentiles, right? You know, to our fellow Gentiles yep. and oppose all men and hate all men. Right. Anyways, it goes in the anti-Semitic verses throughout the Synoptic Gospels and the Acts of the Apostles. Jews are referred to as vipers and poisonous snakes, hard-hearted and hypocrites, thieves and robbers, and the blind guiding the blind. Now, you might be a Christian, and most Christians say, man, the word of God, if it says it in the New Testament, this is what I follow. Right. So. Why don't they follow the New Testament? And again, these are harder words than I would use. I'm very careful not to. And I know that words can sometimes be a little bit different in the translations and the copies that exist over the centuries. But I know one thing. These are the words that are in the New Testament. They talk about the criminal behavior of Jews, not just the killing of Christ, not just the uh, the persecution of Christians and the murder of Christians, they talk about how they're enemies of mankind. Quote, the gospel according to John makes these assertions. God's word and God's love are not with the Jews. None of the Jews do what's written in the Torah. 
They have neither Jesus nor his father, and they are descendants of their own father, who is not God, but Satan. He's right. Jesus Christ himself said that. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, it's in, it's, it's in John, uh, uh, 44. And, and he said, Jesus Christ was talking, had a big debate with the, with the uh, Pharisees. And by the way, the first debate was that Christ was saying that these Pharisees, that these Jewish, this is the Jewish elite, just like they have the Jewish elite today. And he's saying that he said, you don't have any truth in you. You're, you're liars. You're corruptors. You're evil. And they're calling Jesus evil. And, and you know what Jesus said? This is the most common word in defense of free speech. Jesus said, quote, ye shall know the truth and the truth shall make set you free. free. Everybody you knows free. that. They don't really yes. know that. Most people don't know Jesus said it, right? But it goes on. God's word, right? This is what, this is what Jesus said. So the, so they're calling him evil and everything else. And Christ looks at them and he says, ye. And he's talking directly to the Jews. And it says a few verses later how the Jews answered him. It was Jews. It was the Jewish elite. And the Jews answered him. He said, ye and ye, Father, are the sons of the devil. And the lust of ye, Father, ye will do. He was a murderer from the beginning. Think of Gaza. Think about the whole of the war. Think about the communist mass murders. Think about the hundred million lives of communism. Think about the hundred million lives of these great world wars and all the wars that Jews have been leading over the last 120 years. For God's sakes, folks, wake up. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in truth because there's no truth in him. When he speaketh a lie, he speaketh of his own essence because he and your fathers, they are the fathers of the lie. And if you look at this, the slogan of the Mossad is perfect. By deception, they'll shout wage war. Our yeah. forefathers would say we will, you know, we will wage war with the strength of our courage and the strength of our arms. How Jews wage war is by the lie. That is their main weapon. And they use lies so they can kill more people. The, they, they even use lies about Jew, certain Jewish persecutions, like they call the Russians being persecuting them. No, the Russians didn't persecute them. They killed millions of Russians. It wasn't the Ukrainians persecuting Jews and Babiar and so forth. It was the Jews killing 7 to 11 million Jews, more than the Holocaust, in the whole of the more. That's when was the, the Schofield? When was the Schofield Bible written? 1900? In the 19th century. Prior to that, they were kept in, before Schofield, most of the New Testament worshipers knew and kept them in check, probably in the 1900s, Yeah, because the Schofield body, what they did in the Schofield, some of the text is still, most of the text is still there, but what they added all this commentary, uh, which was, you know, pro-Judaic, it was pro-Jew, and uh, and the truth is, that for most of Christianity, I must think that the Schofield Valley is a relatively new thing. For most of Christianity, everybody in Christianity knew who the Jews were and knew that they were enemies of Christ. And in the New Testament, the word Antichrist is used a lot. And the New Testament says, how do you know who the Antichrist is? And they said, it's so clear. And just think about who this was in the time of Jesus, and the time of the apostles of Christ, right? Because this is long before Islam. He said, you'll know the Antichrist. They are those who say they are of the Father, but not of the Son. 
as what this Jew quoted in the Jerusalem Post is so accurate. He said really clearly that the New Testament, and he said this, and it's true, the New Testament says the Jews are no longer of the Father or the Son, that they really have sold out God for their for their for their evil Jewish supremacism. They really do think that they're the gods on earth. And half of the rabbis don't even believe in God anymore. And they believe that they have the right to rule the world and they believe that all Goyim on earth, that's ninety nine point eight percent of the of the people of this planet. Or cattle. All, cattle. Yeah, they're cattle and they're evil. They hey, thank soul. you, Doctor Duke. I'll let it. Thank you. On. I hate to be yeah, so good. strong. And listen, I'm not being anti-Semitic. I'm telling you the truth, just as Christ did. I'm not saying I'm like Christ, but I'm repeating His word. You're a word. Christian. You're a Christian uh, who right. has good faith, strong faith. Thank That's you, right. Dave Kahari. You got Have it. A good evening. Thank you, Michael. We'll get you back in in the lightning round. By the way, let me give you the last quotation before we move on from the subject. This is from this one of the articles, one of the memes I show. Go to my gabbit, real David Duke. Go right now before you forget while the show's on. It's fine, people. All right. He said, this is what, this is what the guy writes. He says, uh, Romans, known by historians for their unfettered willingness to, to, to kill, are shown repeatedly in the New Testament as trying to save Jesus and his followers, notably Paul. That's all true. Even in cases where Gentiles ignore the apostles or try to kill them, as occurs in Iconium and Antioch, we are told on both occasions that the Jews had first stirred up other Gentiles and poisoned their minds against their brothers, against against Gentile brothers. Is that not what happened in the Second World War, in the First World War? Is that not what happened in all these wars between the Goyim that the Jews have sponsored in those times? Is that not what is happening right now in in in, in Ukraine? For God's sakes, open up. Is that not what's happening right now against Russia because Russians had the courage to overthrow the Jewish communists that killed 30 million Russians and so many other innocents in much of Eastern Europe and in Ukraine un- under the Jewish guidance? Come on, people. Open your God-darned mind, please. I didn't say yes. a bad word there. No, yeah, absolutely. Dave. Open I- your brain, man. I have a Wake question. Wake up. Wake I up. I got a question. I, there you go. I got a question for you, Dave, before yeah. we go into the lightning round or go into some other questions. First, stir up to other gun, g- Gentiles and poison their minds against the brothers. <laughs> <laughs> Can't make it up. Okay. There's, there's truth from the mouth of a Jew. That's right. He's, he's telling the truth about the New and Testament. And that Boteach creature. That's who he that, is. Yeah, yeah. That's the creature who. He wrote that. Uh, who he's uh, RFK Jr.'s handler. Yeah, he is. Yeah, yeah. That that piece of well, shit. that ends the possibility of Robert. He said a lot of good things at first, and but then they got him back in line, didn't they? Yeah, oh yeah, that's what they do. These these heaps. I, you okay, know, you know, my thought for tonight is we ought, you know yeah. what we got to do every show. We got to make a simple little statement, and then say this is the theme of the night, and the theme of my thing tonight because the last week I've been doing all the history of the Second World War and the First World War. And I and I've been pointing out a simple thing that causes cognitive dissidence in all of us if you think about it. All right. They tell us that the, the Second World War is the good war. That this was a magnificent war, a great war. So glad we fought it, right? Well the Second World War was started over the fact that the Germans, you know, 
were being taken from their own country by the Fasai Treaty for 25 years, holding bondage to another country. They voted for their own freedom, 90%. America and all the world says they believe in self-determination. They weren't given it. They had a conflict over that. And then France and Britain declared war on Germany without excuse and created the Second World War. At that time, Germans hadn't killed anybody, to speak of anybody, right? The communists came in from the east and killed 22,000 Polish army officers, which Germans did not do, by the way. But anyway, so, yeah, Kate and Forrest. So when you look at this war, right, and you think, okay, now, who made this a world war? Did France, did Germany declare war on France and England and make it a world war? Did Germany try to take over Europe? No. They said, we're going to free our Germans. And and Germans said, we'll go back to our 19th. If you're not going to be in a battle with us, and you know, we're not going to go back if we're gonna, this war is going to continue. But if we'll make peace and make a peace treaty, we'll go back to 1914. We'll go back to the pre-war border, which was unjustly removing our people from our own country and basically putting them in bondage in another country that hated them, was persecuting them and attacking them violently. Right. And that's all. They said, that's all we want. We don't want anything more than that. We just wanted our Germans to be united who were Germans and who voted with their own rights of self-determination to be with their own country. That's all, right? So on that basis, we had a world war, which killed how many people? 10 million? No. 20 million? No. 30? No. 40? No. 50? No. The major historians of the world say anywhere from 55 to 85 million people died and probably many others for other reasons. You think of all the people who had died brokenhearted of mothers and fathers whose sons died in the war fighting. Our sons who were fighting died brokenhearted from their wife or their loved one who was killed in the civilian casualties of that insane war. So let me ask you a question, folks. All you people out there who say you believe in human rights and justice and you care about human beings, You care about men, women, children, babies, pregnant women are there with their little babies with in in their arms. The Jews in Israel right now are comparing the Palestinians to Nazi babies and saying all the Palestinian children are just like young Nazis. They have ice cream in their hand right now and soon they'll have a weapon in their hand. So we should kill them all. Right. But you understand The idea of killing children, whether they're German children or whether they're Palestinian children or any other children, is evil. And it's an evil mind that permits the mass murder of children, period. End of story. So, folks, right, you have to understand something. They use the Second World War to justify every war. That's what Jews do. They use their own suffering in the war to try to kill more of their enemies and lead other nations into wars that kill millions of people. And they've done this repeatedly. So ask yourself the question, was the First World War a good war? Was it, as Patrick Buchanan asked in his great book, you know, was World War II necessary? Was this an unnecessary war? And everybody will see the answer of it. Yes. Even the Holocaust, what they call the Holocaust itself or whatever the Holocaust was, if they ever allow true examination of it, unbiased examination where they don't threaten to put people in jail 
if they question a single line of their narrative, you know, it's like we have, we have the answer, Dave. We got the book by Peter oh, Winter. Right. Yeah. yeah, Dave. My question to yeah. you, sure. Before we get to the calls, sure. You know, basically everybody in this movement. You've known basically everybody in this movement. Most of the people, yeah. I guess yeah. most of the leadership. Yes. So you 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 knew Willis Carto. Yes. Good friend. Yes. Edward you Fields. Knew, you knew Tom Metzger? Yep. You knew all the big guys. This is my question. Is it possible for us to have an actual cohesive movement? I got to say yes and no to it. It's possible, but it's probably going to emerge like what happened in Germany where you had a lot of different parties. And finally, when one of them started to have some real success, the other parties coalesced around them. But even then, you know, it's amazing. Just, Just think of it this way. How many families have you seen that have great families, right, and good people and good sons, and they're fighting their brothers and struggling with their brothers? How many times have you seen kings and they had number of courageous sons and they end up killing each other and fighting each other. And the problem is that all it's always the same. You know, a lot more people uh, kill each other who know each other and domestic and friends and strangers kill each other. And there's a problem uh, in that. And I think that's one of the, the big messages. And this is why I'll put on my, you know, my Christian hat for a moment. And say, this is one of the great messages of Jesus Christ, which I think he was trying to lessen. And I think when he was saying, you know, love thy neighbor as thyself, love of the people in your life. He's, he was really talking about the people in your life more than anything. He's talking about your parents and parents talking about their children and brothers and sisters talking about their brothers and sisters and friends talking about your friends. I mean, that's who he was talking about. He wasn't saying you got a rapist coming to your house that's going to pedophile your kids, right? And molest your kids or rape your, your, your daughters and, you know, turn the other cheek, give me your other child too. No, he, he wasn't talking about that. He was really talking about the affairs and the relationships between people who are supposed to love each other, who are connected to each other by their blood, by their heritage, by their values, by their common denominators, and, and not, by, not by the petty things that we get involved in. Nothing is worth killing your brother. Nothing is worth killing your child. Nothing is worth killing your parents. We have a lot of children doing that today because they are made ill by our media. There's a psychological illness that confronts our people. And a good example of that is, as you know, and a good argument the conservatives often make is, you know, why do you keep, why do they keep saying that guns, you know, guns kill people? No, guns don't kill people. They people. say gun violence, right? Gun right. violence. Well, they say guns. Well, like say guns, guns can be people. violent. We got to get rid of guns because guns can, yeah. yeah, guns kill people. Yeah. You know, it's not guns that kill people. It's people that kill people. Now, in years ago, we had no registration of guns. Guns were plentiful. 
Everybody was expected to have a gun. In fact, in some prisons in America, like Leavenworth and other major prisons, like remember Kansas State Prison, when they released a man after being in jail for five years, they were much more humane back then as today out on the prairie. They gave him a horse and they gave him a saddle. They gave him some grub and they gave him a Winchester. (laughs) You know, they did. Nice. You know? Because they knew they needed that to survive in these Indian territories and in these in these lawless areas where there wasn't much law, and they knew that every family and every law-abiding person needed to do. It. They wanted to give that guy a chance to life, and it, but you know the way that we work in the prisons now is they take away your chances to life. They usually send you to prison far away from your family. They don't let you talk to your family much on the phone. They make it very difficult for your family to visit you. Just like me in federal prison, they sent me a thousand miles from my children. That, that, you know, and I just had a minor little tax stupid crime, right? And then they wouldn't let me talk to my, my kids half the time because they just penalized me for all sorts of ways. They didn't put me in a camp because I had the long, wrong ideas, even I had one of the shortest sentences, and I was no danger to flee. I was a voluntary. The police didn't have to come get me. When I knew they were charging me, I, I, I came back to America. I could even so, stay in Russia. So, Dave, can we, can we have movement? We can, but we're going to have to really work on ourselves. And we need, and I keep saying this to people, there's two things we need. We need to obviously learn the truth about the Jews, and I think my books do it and your books do a great job as well. But we have to learn how to present our ideas. We've got to, I think the way I presented my ideas tonight, I really do, that yes, I was passionate and I was very, you know, I showed I exposed the hatred of Jews against us. I didn't show that I had hatred toward them, but I showed how I'm certainly going to be opposed to their hatred and what they're doing. we got to present ourselves in a way that people will enjoy, that they'll like, that they'll feel comfortable for. They'll understand that our motives are good. And I know my motives are good. And Dave, I know your motives are good too. But they try to exploit us by taking the most radical statements. That's why when someone like Dylan Roof goes into a church and shoots a lot of old black people, no threat to anybody, right? That's an evil thing to do. It's not just evil for those those poor black people in church, at a little church gathering at night, just a lot of old black people, right? It's not just evil for that crime that they committed against those people and for their children, you know, and for their loved ones. But it was evil for our cause, and that's because we've got to be responsible people. We can't become like Jews. That's something that a Jew does. And they do, they do that all the time. They were happy to burn alive. And I'm telling you this, folks, if you never thought about this in your life, they show you the pictures of, of, of uh, Gaza. I'm sorry, Gaza is terrible. It's awful. But it wasn't worse than Dresden. Dresden was 250,000 dead, really. That's the real figures from it. And it was a firestorm. And 250,000, mainly women and children, in fact, the streets were full of people fleeing communism. It was not a military target at all. Refugees, was, too. Yeah, it was, it's unbelievable. Dave, we, Dave, we got to get to the next one. And, and Dresden, yeah, but let me tell you, Dresden was 250,000. And, and they, these people were burned alive, babies, yep. with their mothers in their <clears throat> homes, yep. in these beautiful homes, in these beautiful places of a beautiful country. This is the reality of life. Yep. And that was evil. And any time a Jew says these things, they tell you, oh, it's okay to do this to the... No, 
we've got to go back to the original story. This is the original, the Second World War and the First World War. That's the original sin of the destruction of mankind. Really. Right. There, was, there were more people killed in those two wars. These were Jewish wars. And I can show you every part of those wars why Jews were finding advantage in creating this war with their power in media, their power right. in government, infiltration, and their power in money. Dave, let's pick this up in the okay. after show. Let's get yeah. to the next caller. No after show tonight. It's too late. For no? A little bit? Maybe. We got... We got uh, Steve from the UK. How are you, buddy? You set a five-minute alarm for me. All right. Hi there, Dave. Can you hear me clearly? Yes, Yes, I can, can. my friend. How are you doing? I hope you're enjoying the show tonight. Um, I'm actually a little bit ill, funny enough. Um, But I do have a quick question um, for you. (laughs) Okay. Um, I didn't get your answer. Seeing what's going on with I'm sorry, what? Yeah. What's going on with Ron DeSantis today and the likelihood or possibility of Trump um, be sho- being shoehorned into the White House? If he makes it to the White House, what do you think the first year of a Trump presidency will look like? And do you think he will be on board with the world pandemic treaty that's being pushed with the WHO at the moment, considering Trump released the vaccine? Um, just those. Well, question. he allowed the vaccine, but he was definitely more minor than what the Bidens were going to do and the Clintons were going to do. Um, but I don't know what Trump's going to do. And I'm really just so disgusted by him, by the whole Gaza situation, the Jewish situation. And it's true he didn't get into the major, but he did a lot of terrible things like the assassination of Soleimani. And his rhetoric has been awful. But here's the thing that I do believe. Now, I think Trump all along, really, as far as Jews went, didn't like Jews. I honestly believe that. And if you look at a lot of his statements really carefully, you'll notice different things that he said. It's like when he went to the Jewish Republican coalition and he said, you're not going to vote for me because, you know, I don't want your money. And you want to control every politician. They don't like to hear that. They don't like to hear somebody saying, that the, that the Jews media, and of course everybody knows that the news media is the Jews media. Everybody really knows that. Trump knows it. He knows he runs the New York Times. He has to. Come on. He knows he runs his publication. He knows he runs the NBC News and all these programs on who the producers are, all these programs, late night shows that are supposed to be comedy shows that are rug- dragging him through the mud. He knows the Jews that run Saturday Night Live that make him out to be a blubbering idiot and an evil, nasty person. He knows that. But at the same time that he knows, especially while he's running for office, if he utters a single word against any of them, that he knows that they will make sure he doesn't get elected by any means they have to use. I mean, that will just put their backs. They'll make sacrifices. They'll do whatever they have. They, he's still going to try to, I think they're still going to oppose him, but he knows all that. And I think that, um, well, you know, Bannon, who I don't like Bannon either, he's the one that plays the Jew card too, because he thinks that protects him. But he says he, but he's, what he's doing, if you notice what he's doing, he always says that he's for preservation of European mankind. We got to stop the immigration and we got to stop these. You know, foreign wars and all that stuff, right? But then at the same time, he supports the Jews. That's a rabbi there in his paper. That's insanity and that's terrible things. But I think Trump knows this like the Goyim know. They, he knows who orchestrated his impeachment. He knows Jamie Rashkin, the Jew. He knows it was Jake, it was Schiff. 
who's Jewish, head of the Judiciary Committee, you know, the, our Intelligence Committee, basically. Uh, no, that was Nadler, Judiciary. Uh, Schiff was head of the Intelligence Committee. You know, again, again, foreign allegiance to Israel Jews. I mean, Schumer and Blumenthal and the Senate said, come on. He knows who's trying to destroy him. He knows who's trying to put him in prison for the rest of his life. He knows who's trying to destroy all he's worked for in his life and building up his empire and what he's done for you know, his family. They know, he knows that. And I, you know, I hope and pray. And I don't know if we're going to be able to affect the election one way or the other. But I do know that sometimes we do have to vote pragmatically. But I have to believe that the guy is just not a total numbskull. I have, I have to believe that getting to be the president of the United States again after what the Jews did to him the first time, that he's going to try to get some revenge somehow. It may not be overtly, but it may be subtly, but very importantly, he's going to try to hurt him where it hurts them. And I think they know that. And that's why there's going to be more resistance to him this time than ever before. And they, they expected to destroy him already by the, all the things they've done to him. They've unleashed against him with all these court cases, which are unbelievable. Even trying to keep him off the ballot, which is still unconstitutional. It's, the 14th Amendment shouldn't even be in the Constitution. It was never legally ratified. You can't have a, an amendment legally ratified by blackmailing states that they got to amend that to even be represented in Congress, which is a constitutional right. Remember, the North said the South had no right to secede from the, from the, from the Union. So they're always part of it, right? If they couldn't succeed, then they couldn't keep out any elected officials from being in the United States government, obviously. So the 14th Amendment is a lie. And they're even trying to use that to keep people from electing their own uh, president. So, you know, as it, as it goes now with Biden or any one of those ilk, uh, I probably, I, I don't know, I, I go back and forth on this a lot, but I probably would cast a ballot, just a pragmatic ballot, in the hopes that the guy is really going to have a, he's going to have a lot of feeling of getting back at these people who've made his life so miserable, and they're still going to try to put him in prison. He knows that too. So it's in his interest to defang these Jews and take away as much power as he can to start their demise in America. And he could do that in a lot of ways. He also Can said you? that he wanted to make peace in the Middle East with not, with not Kushner doing it. But he said that you, we have to have, un, we have to have unbiased people to make peace. So he might just get in and put the big screw to them and continue this slide that Jews are taking. And I think they gotta be afraid of this. They gotta know that that might be up Trump's sleeve. And he has a lot of reason to hate him. What do you think? $64,000 question, Doctor. Do you think <laughs> yeah. Trump will pursue a regional war against Iran? I don't think as president he would. He didn't before, and they were trying to get him to really hard. He acted like he was a friend of Netanyahu, but Netanyahu, by the way, betrayed Trump, and Trump knows that. He said that about Netanyahu. He said, look at Netanyahu, what a scumbag. He said, he after all the, the things he said, he, then, he, then he betrayed me. You know, and he abandoned me. He was a band of every important Jew in his life. Mr. Cohen, his main Latour, he was his, that was his mainly guy. If you think Trump, deep down inside, doesn't despise these people? Come on. I think that, uh, you know, that if I were a Jew, 
if I were a Jew, and I know how Jews are, they make it real clear. They're going to do whatever they think is going to be good for Jews. I would do everything in my power, and every Jew believes that they have the right to do everything in their power. I'd do everything in my power to keep Trump out of the presidency. Steve, we're going to have to... Uh, what do you have, think? Isn't Steve, that too dangerous for them? I think so. Steve, thanks, buddy. We'll see you in the after-show show. It's going to be know. a quick one, but we'll see you there. That's what I'm coming Dave, here. let, let the listeners know where they could find you. Okay. Look, if you want to send us a few shekels, we need it now for a lot of reasons, folks. Box 188, Mandeville, Louisiana, 70470, please. And you can go to my gab at Real David Duke. And you can also go to my Odyssey. I've got about 100 videos out there, some of the best videos I ever did. If they're still available, amazing videos, like the Jonestown Massacre with about, you know, Alex Jones. It's amazing debate, but all sorts of others. So just go to Odyssey at Real David Duke. I also have at Real David Duke on, um, on I don't do much posting on it, but I'm going to do more and more on Signal. And I also, of course, have DavidDuke.com, and we're writing more and more, and I'm, I'm working around the clock. And, folks, I need your support. And I'm on the air tomorrow morning. Go to Rinse. Radio.com, rinse.com and rinseradio.com. Find my show, listen to it, go to davidduke.com and you can hear my archives as well. Love you guys and y'all keep going and keep fighting. It was a great show tonight, I think, and I just love this program tonight. Good night. Awesome. Thanks, Dave. Hold, hold on there. We're going to have the after show show. Don't forget to tune in next Sunday, 8 p.m. Eastern, for the Dave and Duke Call-In Show, where David Gahari and the incomparable Dr. David Duke will take your phone calls and discuss whatever questions you want to bring to the table. See you next Sunday.